1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. It's Sunday morning and you know what that means, don't you folks? It's time for Money Wise. Ray Lance, Pete Lance is here. The money guys, not the wise guys, but the money guys. They're here on a wonderful Sunday morning. Good morning. Great to see you both. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Phil. Hello there. Always good to see you. <laughs> yeah, likewise, Peter. And most importantly, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for listening to Money Wise every Sunday morning. Today, we're going to be celebrating Independence Day. We're going to be talking about it's time for you to declare your financial independence. We're going to talk basically about Financial Planning 101, how to create true financial independence for yourself. So happy 4th of July, and I would be remiss if we didn't just say a few things about Independence Day. Uh, We're not going to read the Declaration of Independence today, but it sure has a fascinating history. And I always like to learn more about that subject. I like history in general. But the legal separation of the 13 colonies from Great Britain actually occurred on July 2, 1776, because that's when the Second Continental Congress voted to approve a resolution of independence that was proposed. But then what happened after that is After they voted for independence on July 2, Congress said, well, we have to sign this thing called the Declaration of Independence. And there was a committee of five members. Thomas Jefferson was the principal author of the Declaration of Independence. And Congress went back and forth, just as they do today, and they debated and revised the wording of the Declaration of uh, Independence, which was finally approved on July 4th. So it's July 4th that we celebrate the date of the approval and the signing of the Declaration of Independence, but the actual vote took place on July 2. Did you know that, Pete? I did not. But Phil has a a triangle cap on and a little drum on the side of him right now, so you could see that in the studio. You didn't see the musket behind me. Now, there's some really interesting coincidences that have happened in history dealing with July 4th. For example, both John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, they were the only signers of the Declaration of Independence who later served as President of the United States. And they both died on exactly the same day, July 4th, 1826. And how's that for miracles and coincidences? And on that date, it was the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. Isn't that amazing? That is. I have a friend who was born on the 200th anniversary of Independence Day, 4th of July, 1976. And I have another good friend who was born a year later on the exact same day. And I always thought how lucky they both were yeah. to have a birthday on the 4th of July. They get the day off every year. They get fireworks on the birthday every year. It's a summer birthday, so you're not, like, my birthday is in February. It's always cold and nasty. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Well, Peter, I was born, of course, on September 17 in 1776. Uh-huh. No, that, that wasn't the year, but <laughs> my birthday is September 17. And do you know what happened in history on September 17? Well, you were born, and that's really a big that's deal. Historic. That's the date that the Constitution was signed on September 17th. My goodness. Did you know that, Peter? Uh, I did not. <laughs> 
See, we all learn something every day. Well, some interesting things happened. Um, in 1777, one year after the Declaration of Independence, and mind you, we hadn't had our Revolutionary War yet. We had just signed the Declaration of Independence. But in 1777, one year later, on July 4th, 13 gunshots were fired in salute, so they started celebrating even a year later. It was done in the morning, it was done in the evening, and this was done in Bristol, Rhode Island. And that has some real significance for a reason I'm going to tell you about in just a moment. And in 1778, two years after the Declaration of Independence, George Washington, who was a general at that point, he wasn't president then, of course, uh, he celebrated July 4th, 1778, with a double ration of rum for his soldiers, and he did an artillery salute. So I think that maybe started a lot of traditions in this country, if you think about it. But So even back in not only 1776 on July 4th, but 1777, 1778, this was a date that was being celebrated in our country, just as we celebrate it today. And... Um, Something else I have to tell you, a couple of quick things, and then we'll get off history. But in 1781, five years after the Declaration of Independence, the Massachusetts General Court became the first state legislature in our new country to recognize July 4th as a state celebration. And yet we can't get fireworks in this state. No, but... Something wrong with that. (laughs) And then a little bit later, in 1791 the words Independence Day were used for the first time on to celebrate July 4th. So lots of interesting traditions and history over the years, and we have a lot of history in Massachusetts. We have a lot of history in England. And in 1785, remember 1776, we signed the Declaration of Independence. 1785, the Bristol, Rhode Island, 4th of July parade was held. 1785. And it's the oldest continuously running Independence Day celebration in the country, in the United States. We've said that we're going to go every year for the past 10 years, probably, and we've never been. Oh, my. There's probably a lot of uh, people that go, and it's probably difficult to get to, I would imagine, but we're going to go one year. Promise. Well, July 4th is an important day for everybody, isn't it? I mean, we do picnics and barbecues and fireworks and so forth. And I think most people remember that it's the day that the Declaration of Independence was actually signed. And here's a quiz. Who was the first person to sign the Declaration of Independence? Very first, huh? Mm-hmm. With great big letters. Oh, oh I didn't know. John Hancock. John, John Hancock. He was the first? John Hancock was the first signer of the Declaration of Independence. And guess what? He was also the president of the Second Continental Congress at the time when this was uh, completed. And he also was the first governor of Massachusetts. It's kind of rude of him in a way to sign it that big, huh? Don't you think everybody else said, thanks, John, now we have no place to sign. We've got to sign our names really small. We did it for a reason. 200-plus years from now, there's going to be a, a sign over Fenway with your name instead of my name. <laughs> he, was a, he was actually a very wealthy man. He had inherited some money, but he also made some money. There were rumors that maybe he was a rum runner as well, um, but that was never really documented. Do you but know he, why he signed it so big? No. He, this was his statement 
to the king. He wanted the king to know he's pushing it in his face. So he signed it big enough so that it would irritate the king. Hmm. Well, it certainly did. It had that impact on Britain. So he was the first governor of Massachusetts. He was the uh, president of the Second Continental Congress when the Declaration of Independence was signed. And he was the first signer of, in, of the Declaration of Independence. Charles Thompson also signed it, Thomas Jefferson. Can you imagine, though, if one of them signed it really big? Instead of people saying, oh, you can put your John Hancock right here. No, you can put your Charles Thompson right here. <laughs> but no, it's amazing how things happen. Yeah, or some other names that we wouldn't probably want to think about or mention. But in any event... Um, like John, hey, never mind. We have a lot of history, <laughs> uh, and uh, John Hancock was... Um, a Massachusetts native. Uh, he grew up in what was called Braintree, which later became called Quincy. So he lived in Quincy, governor of Massachusetts, first signer of the Declaration of Independence. And we just have a lot of history to be proud of in the state of Massachusetts. And believe it or not, George Washington was absent. He was not there when they signed the Declaration of Independence. Hmm. Well, they had a lot of traveling to do with those age, that age, and it was difficult to travel by horse or stagecoach, I suppose. Don't you imagine? Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. But I'm just reading now Josea Bartlett of New Hampshire, George Walton of Georgia, John Dickinson of Pennsylvania, James Duane. And so, yeah, there were quite a few people that could have signed it that large. Well, we have a long history in this country. And, of course, after the Declaration of Independence, then we engaged in war with Great Britain. And eventually we were no longer colonies, but we were the United States. So... Celebrate your history and remember your Declaration of Independence. It's really, I think, kind of fun. I think the history is really very interesting. Um, if I can find it, no, I well, I did it on my camera. Um, I recently went to see the tall ships oh, yes. uh, in the past, and when I did this, a nice quotation from uh, John Hancock in the harbor in Boston. So when you go to visit Boston Harbor, look for John Hancock quotations. So let's talk about declaring your financial independence. And gosh, we've got so nice much segue. to tell you about. Well, we have a lot of things to talk about today, don't we, Pete? Yes, as um, always. You know, we are uh, independent people. We don't want people telling us what to do. Um, we all have that in our American spirit. We don't like to be pushed around. We don't like to be made to do things that we don't like to do. That's why John Hancock wrote it. <laughs> I think that attitude and that spirit still pervades today, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So go clean up your room or something. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking this morning uh, not only with Phil Paleologus, we're also uh, here with uh, Peter Lance from USA Wealth Group and also from Lance Family Agency. Uh, Peter is embarking on... Uh, a new business venture as part of our operation. So very shortly, and by the time you hear this radio broadcast, uh, perhaps, uh, we'll be fully able to offer property and casualty insurance. There's still a few details to be worked out on that, as well as doing all the wealth planning and financial services that we provide. Yeah, we like to consider ourselves uh, a one-stop shop for people, and, and it's really been that way for a lot of people. But the one thing that we haven't had for a little while uh, is uh, property and casualty insurance. That's your home and your auto insurance, as well as umbrella policies, commercial policies, renter's policies. Um, any of you who are listening who do not have a renter's policy and you're renting a condominium or an apartment, 
It's very inexpensive money to protect all of your belongings. Uh, definitely could not recommend that more. You're talking $100, $200 a year to protect all your belongings. And yeah. a lot of folks think incorrectly that the landlord will take care of it because of his insurance, and that is not true, is it? Nope, not at all. Uh, it's it's literally like ten dollars a month, and to protect all your belongings. If you have a fire in your building, uh, if you have water damage, your belongings are not covered. And it's uh, as you said, it's it's quite inexpensive to do that. Um, it seems like it's almost every single day in the news. When you read the news, you'll see an apartment building in some place or other in Massachusetts. It's burned down. People have, you know, escaped with their lives, but they've lost everything they owned. So. Think about making sure you have some insurance for that. I'd like to tell everybody, our listeners, about our financial navigator plan. You know, we've been thinking about this for a long time, and these are the things that we do anyway, but we've decided to formally name our process. We live in a coastal community. We live in a coastal environment. We all love the ocean. It surrounds us. So we've created something called the financial navigator plan, for folks who come into our office and do financial services with us. And what it is, basically, it's a complete plan with your goals and your budget, uh, an income analysis, uh, discussion, and a place to figure out about savings and investment strategies, and, of course, retirement strategies. And what the Financial Navigator does for you, it, it helps you plan. It helps you chart your course in life. If you don't have a plan, you're not going to know where you're going. It helps you Sometimes we say navigate the financial waters of life. And what this means to you is if you are um, willing to come in and work with us, we're going to create this financial navigator that will show you that, yes, you can afford to retire. Uh, Yes, you can afford to figure out how to pay for college for kids. And yes, you can complete your goals. And protect your family and beware of sharks. I had a really significant meeting recently. Um, I met with a woman who decided to retire uh, fairly recently, and we went through the whole analysis process with her to figure out what she was going to be receiving from Social Security. She had a couple of small pensions, and she had a, a, a couple hundred thousand dollars of financial assets she had accumulated as well. Uh, single, uh, she's in her mid-60s but really just didn't want to retire any longer. And she's very actively engaged in outside nonprofit charitable activities as well. So I sat down with her. We went through her budget, first of all. We figured out that maybe her car payment is going to end uh, in just a couple of months after we met. So that would be an additional benefit in her plan. And when I looked at her income sources, multiple streams of income, we're going to address that in just a minute, and looked at her budget and her expenses, I said, you're looking at probably about a $300 a month shortfall to continue with your budget as you are and live comfortably. And then she immediately expressed concern and said, well, with what I have and my money that I've accumulated, is that going to be enough to make up the deficit? And I went up to the whiteboard and I said, here's the total of money that you have, total amount of money you have in invested in savings. And if you needed $300 a month times 12, that's $3,600. Let's increase that a little bit to $5,000 a year extra you need to pull 
out of your investments. I said, this money will last you a minimum of 32 years beyond your mid-60s if you make not, not a, another dollar of interest on what you've accumulated. She burst into tears. She was so emotionally taken by the fact that she's not going to run out of money, she can afford to retire, and then, of course, we're now working with her on how to plan for the other assets. And two things that uh, relate to that is... The people that we meet with who typically seem the most concerned about their retirement and whether they're going to be able to are usually the ones who are in the better, uh, in the best shape. Um, they've done the right thing. They've saved. They've, you know, made all the right choices and done so uh, as soon as they were able to. And as soon as we tell them that they're going to be okay and show them why and how. Um, they're very much relieved. And on the other end, there are a lot of people that we meet with who don't really think about it and have a lot of credit card debt, and we show them what they can do in order to start eliminating that credit card debt and how they can start really planning for their retirement. So regardless of which position you're in, we always can provide some kind of advice and do something to lead you on the right track or let you know that you're already on the right track and that you're in good hands already. You know, that's an important point, Pete. And the other thing we say all the time is that it doesn't matter what your financial position is or how badly off you think you are financially. There's always something we can show you. There's always something we can help you with that will improve your position, whether it's refinancing a mortgage and having a lower mortgage or doing a reverse mortgage and paying off your mortgage. There's just so many things that can be done. So... I'm going to alternate between talking about some Independence Day quotations and things about freedom, but also some financial independent things. And again, what we try to create for folks is a financial navigator to show you how you can do this. I would like to remind everybody that you are listening to USA Wealth Group. We're located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth, and you can reach us at 508-998-8858. And what a financial navigator is, just to sort of reiterate that, is uh, it's a binder that will lay out in clear terms what your goals are. What your goals are. Everybody has their own individual goals. For uh, most people, it's to protect their loved ones, their family, their spouse, their children, if they have children. So it's going to lay that out in very clear and simple terms. And then it's going to be your budget following that. And again, this is all going to be in a binder that you'll be able to take home with you. Uh, the budget is very important. We need to know what you take in every month versus what you have for expenses every month. Then it's going to have an income analysis, your savings and investment strategies, and your retirement strategies. Uh, retirement strategies include Social Security, which we've had shows specifically on just Social Security before, uh, any IRAs that you might have. Uh, it's going to lay it all out in clear and simple terms so you can look at it anytime, update it at any time. Um, it's also going to have your beneficiaries for all of your accounts in there. Um, that's a very important thing to make sure that your beneficiaries are updated yearly, um, looked at at least. I have to give you my first quote. We almost got through the first half I of the know. show with no quote. This is from Eleanor Roosevelt, one of my favorites. Um, very smart, outspoken lady. And she said, the war for freedom will never really be won because the price of freedom is constant vigilance over ourselves and over our government. 
And I think that quote is equally applicable to financial uh, freedom, because if you don't have constant vigilance over what you're doing, then you're going to have issues. Uh, you need to be vigilant about your credit score. You need to know what you're spending. You ideally need to have a plan where you're going to spend less than what you earn, because that's the only way that you can save. And um, I'm going to pass on with one other quote. This is from one of my favorite guys. I just really like this guy. Um, his name was uh, Benjamin Franklin, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. By the way, I should mention that John Hancock that we talked about, the first signer, was also a Mason. Benjamin Franklin was a Mason. And about one-third of the signers of the Declaration of Independence uh, were Masons. And so also with the Boston Tea Party. About half the people in the Boston Tea Party were Masons. So they did some unusual things back then. Ben Franklin said, a penny saved is a penny earned. And we've all heard that. But we're going to talk for in just a minute for um, some ideas about the um, things that you can do. Let's start with goals. You have to have goals. You have to have a plan. You know, a, a while back I was really impressed to go visit the uh, Charles Morgan, Charles W. Morgan ship when it visited New Bedford Harbor. Uh, Phil, you were there. You were an MC for part of that. Mm -hmm. I remember being down on the ground looking up at you <laughs> on a stand, and uh, I was making hand signs at you or something. Yeah. But that was really an impressive sight when it came, didn't, wasn't it? Yes. And I took some wonderful pictures of the back of it. And I think it's a great metaphor because when you look at the back of the ship or the side of the ship, you see masts, you see rigging, you see a lot of complicated moving pieces. That boat can't leave the harbor unless it has a chart, unless it has a plan. It has to know where the navigational aids are, where the like shoals that. are. Mm -hmm. um, and then you need to be able to hoist the sails and, and bring up the anchor and all those kinds of things. There's a lot of moving parts on sailing something like the, the Charles W. Morgan. It's no different when you're doing financial services and financial planning. You need to know what's your goal, first of all, and you need to create goals. And it could be retirement. It could be college planning for kids. How are your kids going to pay for going to college? Um, asset protection. A lot of people are very interested in how do I protect what I've earned? I don't want to lose it to a nursing home. Or if I'm not too concerned about those things, you know, is there something I could do to leave more money, more financial aid to my family, my charity? Can I leave a better legacy than what I'm doing right now? Well, I think one of the biggest things that we as human beings go through in life is we always want to improve ourselves. We always want to learn something. We always True. want to try to do something to make ourselves and our family better. So that's goals. And we've talked about goals before. I think it's important to set goals, uh, both short-term and long-term. The short-term goals are more easily managed, and that, that's why they're important to set, because it gives some sense of accomplishment. So if your long-term goal is to lose 25 pounds, start with a short-term goal of you know eating this differently every day. All right, put the banana away, Peter. It's a, it's a banana. That's healthy. <laughs> Uh, if okay. your long-term goal is to make sure that your, your, your children are able to afford going to college, then start a short-term goal by setting aside $10 a week. Right. So here's what Colonel Michael Friedsham said about goals. Concentrate on finding your goal, then concentrate on reaching it. 
remember what I've said before in the past is that if you think you want to do something and that's your goal, it's only a wish unless you write it down. So we're going to show you how you can write down your goals. What are your specific goals? Do you want to retire at a certain age? Do you want to have X amount of income? Let's write your goals down in our financial navigator, and we'll talk to you more about that. We're going to come back right after a short break. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to MoneyWise, ladies and gentlemen. And again, thank you so much for listening on Sunday mornings on WBSM 1420 AM. We really appreciate our audience. Uh, we talk to people all the time who have an opportunity to listen to the show. Do remember that one of the things we do at USA Wealth Group is we have a lot of reports and materials that we can provide you that will help you. Uh, we have the Baby Boomers Guide to IRA Planning, the Baby Boomers Guide to Social Security Planning, the Savvy Parents Guide to Cutting College Costs. We've got a lot of good information we can share with you. We, we talked at the, the first half of the show about something new that we're doing, which is called the Retirement Navigator, uh, the Financial Navigator. Uh, it's something that we are now putting in a more formal um, presentation for you to take home. We've always given people uh, their budget uh, clearly typed out uh, and their asset spreadsheet and letters of recommendation and other things that we've given to them uh, as they've left our office. But now we're putting it into a real formal uh, presentation and a binder that will spell out all of your goals, all of your uh, income, uh, your budget, and basically spell out really clear um, approaches that you can take to make sure that your retirement and uh, your financial future and financial goals are clearly marked out for you. It's a financial navigator. Right. So the, the financial navigator is critically important. Um, we want to remind you that that's what we provide in our office. Where uh, You're listening to Ray Lance and Peter Lance along with Phil Paleologus. Once you have some goals, goals don't mean anything until they're written down. And then they have to be achievable because if you say, I'm going to win the lottery, well, that's not necessarily going to happen. They have to be realistic goals that you can achieve and do something to work towards. Then the next thing is a budget. A budget is really one piece of paper. On one side is income. The other side is expenses. It's not difficult homework to do. We encourage you to do it. And what we do is take the raw data that you give us, and then we put it into the computer. So it now looks a lot neater, it looks more official. And then we test it again. Is this a realistic budget? Should you put more money in for food? Um, once we have the budget, then we think about, okay, what are some of the important steps we need to do next? Well, we want to create an asset spreadsheet, don't we, Pete? Yep, we always do that. Uh, it's, that's very, it, it's basically on an Excel workbook that we have created. And it really goes in great detail for your individual assets, your spouse's individual assets, and then the combined family, whether the assets are in the name of a trust or just um, you know, family assets. And that goes to include all Roth IRAs, IRAs, non-qualified accounts, um, you know, and that is basically CDs, annuities, any, anything that you have uh, that are assets in your name, including your personal belongings and your real estate all gets put on this asset spreadsheet so you can really sure. clearly see, hey, this is what I have. Cash under the mattress. 
Do you, ex- <laughs> do you expect to inherit money from somebody? Well, the thing is, is, is that it sounds sort of like a no-brainer, but you'd be surprised at how many people don't know exactly what they have. Well, um, we see a lot of times people will come in and they will have gone to the trouble to fill out an asset sheet, but then they're afraid to know what the total is, so they don't total it. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this personally. And then we'll sit down, we'll ask questions about the assets, and then we'll total it. And sometimes they're really surprised at how much they have that they didn't realize because for some reason they couldn't get over the mental leap of totaling up the numbers. They were almost like they were afraid to look at it. But um, Well, a lot of what we do, if you think about it, Dan, a lot of what we do is helping people get over that fear of the unknown, that fear of not knowing what they have and whether they're going to be able to retire. Uh, the fear of that one day eventually you will pass away and that you really should have life insurance. Mm-hmm. We get people into the office and get them over that fear. And one of the biggest things is, of course, life insurance and the, the thought of your own mortality. But every single person who has done that walks out feeling so much more relieved that they have the plan in place now and that they've got the life insurance done now. And it's, it's a relief. One of the things I'd like to let our listening audience know is that Peter and I don't sit here and just talk back and forth to each other. We have a very detailed two-page outline that we created of all the things we want to talk about today. So we've talked about goals and declaring your financial independence and budget, resolutions. We talked about the importance of creating the asset spreadsheet. I want to give you real quickly the things that we want to talk about in the next 20 minutes, believe it or not. We're going to talk about how to double your money, the power of compounding, starting early, the power of time, having a savings plan, cutting debt, an emergency fund, having multiple streams of income, having a retirement income savings plan, having an estate plan, a burial plan, asset protection, life insurance, legacy plan, college plan, disability, improving your credit score. I'm out of breath. In 20 minutes. And I I didn't see Social Security on there. Um, um, it's under retirement. Gotcha. Okay. Because we're going to be doing a whole show um, in the next month or so on just that one whole topic of Social Security. I know I just said this a couple of minutes ago, but I never really thought about it until now that we really help people get over their fear. And it's a big step just for people to make the appointment sometimes and come into the office. And we see it when people come into the office. Sometimes they're tentative and they... they look like they're afraid because they're going to go and find out whether they have enough money to retire or what they need to do in order to retire. And they're put instantly at ease because of the people that we have in our office who mm-hmm. are like family to us. Yep. They're wonderful, kind people who are, are very good with the clients. And then, of course, Willow, the office mascot, puts people at ease. She's our, our dog in the office. Right. Um, but we put people at ease. Yeah, it's just that initial... Usually Willow is laying right across the floor, and you have to step over her. And we, we <laughs> often call her the office speed bump. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned that word fear, because uh, fear is what motivates a lot of people from sitting down to do their estate plan. Um, we know that. We see it all the time. They're afraid that if they do their estate plan, that it's a superstitious thing. That means it's okay for them to die now. Um, the same thing is true with financial services and Uh, I'm going to mention this. This is another story that happened literally in just this past week. I had a couple come to see me. They'd been in once before, and they sat in the parking lot for a while before they came in. 
And they sat down and we started talking and the the wife basically admitted, she said, you know, the reason we we're sitting there, she said, we're just we're just nervous, we're afraid, we're afraid to go forward. And we basically sat and talked to each other and said, are we ready to go do this? And then they said yes, and they came in. And we make them feel really at ease that they can sit down and discuss their finances, and it doesn't matter how large, how small, we can help. So let's come back to some of these important things. Um, do you know how to double your money, Pete? You're talking about the important rule of 72? Yes. There's some dispute about who who discovered the rule of 72. Supposedly, the theory's been around for a while, but allegedly, Albert Einstein discovered the rule of 72 and said it was his greatest discovery and the most powerful force on Earth. It's a very simple formula that tells you how long to double your money at various interest rates. Um, I'm not sure if I've given this to you, Phil. You have, and okay. I, have, I have it saved. It's, it's very a scary thing. It's a scary thing. Yeah. So if you think, well, if I just put my money away for a long time and, and earn you know, an appropriate amount of interest, uh, I wonder how long it'll take me to double my money. Well, here's a, just an example. So you, you basically take an interest rate and you divide it by 72, yep. and that answer will give you how many years it will take to double your money. So, so here's, here's a couple of quick examples, Pete. If you are making 1.5% interest on your money, let's say it's in a bank, bank account, CD. Mm-hmm. 144 <laughs> years to double your money at that rate. Oh my if you're making 1% interest, let's say on a bank account, it's going to take you 72 years mm. before you can double your money. On the other hand, if you're making 7% return on your money, you're going to double your money in just slightly over 10 years. Mm. So the interest rate you earn makes a huge difference in terms of how much money you're going to make. And that's one of the things that we see often is a lot of people who have assets in money market accounts or just simple bank accounts uh, or bank CDs. And there's none that are earning over 1% right now. Yeah. The next thing I'd like to talk about is the power of compounding. Um, Again, my good friend Ben Franklin um, did some study on compounding interest and compounding money. And that is you have to make some kind of an interest rate, but then you also need to let it sit. And the power of compounding simply means that whatever the interest rate is, if it's staying in the account, you're now earning interest on top of interest on top of interest. So it's compounding. And basically in his estate plan, he left a sum of money to the city of Boston and the city of Philadelphia. I think it was like 2,000 pounds because we were using pounds then and not dollars. And his instructions were to let it accumulate hopefully at making 5% interest for 100 years. And interest could be used for scholarships and helping kids and things of that nature. And uh, the city of Boston, roughly 200 years later, had about $5 million in their account. Uh, Philadelphia had less. They had around $2 million. But the power of compounding is one of the greatest powers on earth. Um, The next thing is you have to start early. If you want to have financial independence, if you want to declare your financial independence, you have to start early. So you need an interest rate, you need the power of compounding the interest, but you also need some time. And the earlier you can start to save money, the better you are. And we've had people that have started from their very first job, and that's what we want to encourage everybody to do who's listening. I don't care what your age is, but the younger the better. 
Put aside $20 a week, $25 a week. When you can afford it, you put aside $50 a week. If you do that every single week and you earn even a modest amount of interest, you're going to accumulate a huge amount of money. So, again, to reiterate the rule of 72, if you're earning a half a percent in a bank account, it's going to take you 144 years to double your money. Mm -hmm. If you are earning 7%, only 10 years. So you're shaving 134 years off by earning a you know a decent interest rate instead of keeping it in the bank. Uh, there's the old story that we talked about, I don't know, a year or two ago on one of these past shows that the power of compounding or doubling your money, if you double a penny for 30 days, so in other words, if you just double. one day have a penny, the next day you have two pennies, the next day you have four pennies, in 30 days you will have $5,368,709.12. That is amazing. It's a great test at uh, conferences that I've been to. I'm going to give you a penny and ask you to double it for 30 days. How much money do you think you'll have at the end of 30 days? Nobody gets it right. No, of course not. So the power of doubling, the power of compounding is huge. And we get a lot of great things like that we can show you. And a lot of the financial products that Peter and I work with are doing in the range of 6% and higher. You know, it's, they're never guaranteed, but you don't lose principal. We can show you some of those kinds of things when you come into our office. We can show you how to make more money. So you have to start early if you can. Um, savings plans. Here's the best way to save money that I know. Have it automatically deducted out of your account every week. If you have a regular checking account, you can tell your bank, take $25 a week. You can sign the paperwork, automatically take it from my checking account and put it into my savings account every week. There's $100 a month. There's $1,200 a year. There's $2,500 in two years that you've saved just by one that, that doing that one simple thing. Make it automatic, and then you don't have to think about it ever, do you, Pete? No, absolutely. If, as soon as you do it, it's going to be out of your mind, and you're going to have it build up a lot faster than you realize. But take some action and do something. Ben Franklin also said... You may delay, but time will not. So if you don't get started to do something, then it's going to be someday, and then it's going to be, I wished I had. Ben Franklin also was great for slogans. He said, never leave that till tomorrow, which you can do today. Ben Franklin would sure blush if he knew how much you liked him. (laughs) Ben Franklin, when he died, was so revered in the city of Philadelphia. He had 20,000 people march in funeral possession. I thought you were going to say procession. he had 20,000 Twitter followers. No, today he would probably be in the <laughs> millions. No, but he had, I mean, when you think of the population base back then when he passed away, wow. uh, 20,000 people marched in funeral procession to honor the man. Mm-hmm. He didn't invent lightning, by the way, unlike Al Gore who invented the internet, <laughs> but he discovered a lot of principles about electricity and did a lot of interesting things. Well, uh, let's continue along. We've talked about savings. Make savings automatic, and then you don't think about it. And before you know you've got money put aside. We've mentioned this before. Whatever happened to the good old Christmas clubs where you put aside money every single week? And guess what happens? It comes Christmas time. You get money in the account to go buy Christmas presents. You don't have to put it on what? A credit. Credit card. So cut debt. Uh, everybody can cut debt. It does all kinds of things. We've said this before. I've got actual numbers and statistics. If you pay the minimum on your credit card every week, 
or every month when you get your bill, you pay the minimum. It takes about 18 years to pay off that card. So here's what you can do. Instead of paying the minimum, let's say the minimum is $15, pay $25. Pay a little extra. You're going to cut the time in half to pay off the credit card. Well, most credit cards have an interest rate of around 18 to 20 percent. That's most. Um, there are some that are higher. There are many that are up as high as 29 percent. So anyways, we can show you some definite approved ways of cutting debt. Uh, this is also part of our uh, navigation plan. Uh, have an emergency fund. You've heard this from people like Susie Orman before. Um, there's so much information that's available on the Internet about habits that will make you more money, habits that can make you a millionaire. Uh, Susie Orman has 10 tips for a fresh start. One thing I think is really confusing, Pete, is the fact that there's so much stuff out there. So if the average consumer just sits down at the computer and says, well, I'm going to see what I can do to make more money, well, then you can find 25, 30 articles real quick on just how to cut debt. Right. And boy, doesn't it get confusing. So one of the benefits with working with us is we're going to have a navigation plan for you. We're going to show you some real special things you can do. Let's say you had three credit cards, and they're all uh, maybe close to being maxed out, and you have a lousy credit score. Well, it's a self-defeating philosophy because you have a lousy credit score. You're going to be in the upper interest category of paying on those credit cards. So here's what you can do. Concentrate on one credit card first, maybe the one that has the highest interest rate and start making extra payments on that. When you get that down below 50% of what your available credit is or what your total credit is, uh, that's going to help improve your credit score. Now you'll qualify for better interest rates, whether it's financing a car, taking out a home mortgage. So you can, you can have a plan to do that. Think of us as a nutritionist for your finances. I like that. And, you know, a nutritionist will tell you how to start eating better. We'll start showing you how to start saving better and doing better with your finances. But just like your body, it's a lot easier to gain weight than it is to lose it. We'll show you uh, a way that we can start increasing your credit score, even though increasing your credit score is a lot harder than decreasing your credit score. Sounds like a credit diet, Pete. There we go. <laughs> how, about, how about credit exercise? Exercising your credit. Well, diet and exercise are the way you lose weight, so I guess maybe you could... Have a credit diet. And where, where do uh, young kids start with starting credit? Let's say they are going to college or something like that. Do they start credit then or wait? What do you think? Oh, it's horrible because not even out of college, in their freshman year in college when they go to school, there are credit card companies lined up at tables when yep. they go there for freshman orientation. Absolutely. We want to give you a credit card with $300 credit on it. They I wanna... signed up for one my very first trip to Plymouth State up in New Hampshire. Uh, there was exactly what you're talking about. There were multiple credit card companies with tables there. Very simple one-page application, boom. You get a credit card in the mail a week or two later and have no idea what you're doing because they don't teach anything about credit in high school. So we've talked about that in the past. That's that's uh, something that is just ridiculous in this country that we do not have a class in high school that talks about the value of a dollar, the value of savings, and credit well, what we don't do in this country is teach financial education, and it's one of the things that we try to accomplish on this radio show every week. We try to give some ideas and tips that will be helpful 
Uh, if you learn one or two things that you can adopt in your own life, uh, that's wonderful. I mean, really, it should start in even elementary school. It should sure. start just at least teaching the value of a dollar and and the dangers of credit, and then certainly in high school. And I had some hope uh, when my son was going to his high school orientation, uh, I asked the question, I said, why don't they teach a course on how to balance a checkbook and the value of a dollar and what to do, how to manage your credit? And they said, we do now. We actually do that now, but it's not until your senior year. And it's, you know, it's too I mean, late. you're 17, 18 years old at that point. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> You know, before we run totally out of time, I want to just cover a few other topics today. Um, have an emergency fund. Uh, you need to think about, what if you had an emergency? Uh, there's been so many articles written recently that says that half of the country couldn't put their hands on $400 if they needed to. Half the country. We're a nation of credit cards. We're a nation of debt. And we want to encourage you to find some ways to turn that around. But having an emergency fund, I mean, emergencies happen all the time. Somebody gets sick, they don't have enough health insurance. We won't get started on that today. Think about having multiple streams of income. It doesn't mean you got to work the night shift and the day shift, but think about something else you can do to save money, make money. Maybe you have a garden in your backyard, you grow some fresh vegetables, you get exercise at the same time you grow some food that you don't have to pay money for. There's so many things you can do. Um, I see people sometimes will have small pensions, and then they'll have Social Security, but then they've got this other little part-time thing that they're doing that generates a little bit of money, whether it's doing crafts or something else. All these little things, when you add them together, can create multiple streams of income. We don't historically have any longer pension plans for most people. That means you've got to put money aside into retirement savings, which is our next topic on the list. Well, speaking of that, there are times when we will tell people to do something that sounds, as you like to say, counterintuitive and withdraw money first from their retirement savings mm -hmm. before uh, collecting and you know signing up for Social Security benefits. Sure. Uh, but we've done entire shows on that before. But Social Security benefits, if you are collecting and live a fairly long life, are going to be much more valuable than uh, by, by holding off a couple of years before you start collecting and drawing down a little bit on your retirement accounts first um, because it increases about 8% every year, your Social Security benefits. We're winding down here. I want to mention a couple of quick things. We've talked about setting goals and making sure they're in writing, um, spend less than you earn, have a budget, create a spending plan. Then you got to invest something somewhere. And you I need to diversify. I just wanted to clarify before you continue that your Social Security benefits increase by about 8% every year the longer you delay. I don't want anybody to get confused by that. They don't increase every year uh, once you start collecting, except for at certain points that the government chooses to allow that. I want to wind down and leave you with a quotation from uh, who else? Uh, ben Franklin, too, actually. He said, time is money. He also said, wise men don't need advice. Fools don't take it. <laughs> so we hope that you know some of the things that we've talked about today would be useful. We want to remind you that um, we offer something called a navigation plan. We have a navigation retirement plan. We want to be able to show you how you can... Make more money, cut debt, 
save more money, legal, leave a legacy for your family, provide for your children. All those kinds of things are so important. And don't forget to tune in next week because we're going to have a very special show where Ray is going to only read Ben Franklin quotes. <laughs> That's an idea. That's an idea. What was the name of the newspaper that he published? Poor, Poor Richard's Almanac. Poor Richard's Almanac. I think we should have Poor Raymond's Almanac. That would be awesome. And uh, publish it once a year. Yes. You could give predictions to the farmers, mm-hmm. you know, what the weather's going to be like and yep. if their corn crop is going to be plentiful this year. And, yep. You know, and then you segue into here's your money crop. Yeah. And here's your money crop, marijuana. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't say that. It could be. Hey, that's another idea, how oh to yield a good God. money crop. I have... <laughs> I have never used, nor have I inhaled. (laughs) Well, think about declaring your financial independence, ladies and gentlemen. Think about having a financial navigator plan that we're happy to provide for you. It will give you peace of mind and show you that you can achieve your goals. And remember about 4th of July that no other date in the calendar more potent, more potently symbolizes all that our nation stands for than the 4th of July. So we want you to enjoy your Independence Day, and we want you to have an independent financial life. Stay tuned next week. We'll talk to you again. Thank you for listening.